0: Games rated E to M. Welcome to Nintendo Power Podcast. This episode, we share tips for Super Mario Maker 2 from the experts in Nintendo Treehouse. My name is Chris Slate, and joining me today are Morgan Ritchie from Nintendo Treehouse. Hi, Morgan. Hey, thanks for having us. Thanks for coming on. And uh, Eric Smith, also from Nintendo Treehouse. Hi, Eric. Hey, what's up? Nothing much, just uh, thanks for coming on the show. You know, we just had an episode a couple weeks ago right after E3, but I really couldn't wait a whole other month to talk about Super Mario Maker 2. But it comes out today, the day that we're releasing this episode, and uh, people are finally going to be able to get their hands on the game. And as they start to build their own courses, I thought it would be cool to get a few pointers from you two. And, um, you know, first off, uh, not everyone might know this, but you created the courses that were used during the Super Mario Maker 2 Invitational 2019, which uh, was held just before E3. And I wanted to ask, what was that whole experience like, you know, building those courses, testing them out? And I also want to see how you guys reacted to to how they performed during the event. Morgan, you want to want to start that out?
1: Yeah, and I I think to pro- most properly answer the question, I have to rewind a little bit. Um, we actually had the good fortune of working not just in localization on Super Mario Maker 2, but also on the original Super Mario maker and as part of that we also ended up making the courses for uh the nwc uh 2015. correct
0: um and 2017. and 2017. Yeah. um and it's funny and, and oh go if ahead. i can interrupt i think i remember that you, your um some of the first courses you made were actually added put on the
2: disc for the original super mario maker isn't that right correct yeah the uh nwc 2015 1 through 4 uh made it onto the disc uh and but back then in
1: 2015 i mean we it wasn't necessarily that we were sort of uh, had this pedigree of of you know being level designers, right. but being, working in localization, we were working on Super Mario Maker. We had played it probably more than anybody in North America at that time, right. <laughs> or at least at NOA, you know. Yeah. And uh, so we just by it was sort of like we want to feature this game in the World Championships. Yeah. Like we need some levels. Can you guys yeah. make some levels? And it, it sort of led us down this this path, um, yeah, which is still going. So yeah, it was really cool to get a chance to sort of. Uh, you know, make them again for this uh, Invitational.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it's been an awesome experience. Uh, As Morgan said, we kind of were the first people like on, in the Western hemisphere to like have this much experience with the original Super Mario Maker. Uh, And, you know, obviously we've played every 2D Mario game ever made, pretty much uh, every Mario game ever made. Um, That's that's true, I think I have. Yeah, I think I have too, just because uh, I love Mario. So, um, it was uh it was a an honor really to be able to make the courses uh for all of these uh n w c nintendo world championships course uh champion thing tournaments? tournaments yeah tournaments yeah and uh, it was interesting because the in the first nintendo world championships making
1: the the levels was sort of it, I've learned so much about making good levels. Like since then almost, since the games come out, because once the game came out, you sort of had this mass, like everybody making courses, courses for all these other you know, the Games Done Quick events, uh, just the mass amount of you watching streamers play courses, but in the original Nintendo World Champions in 2015, I mean, we wanted the levels to be compelling, but you're Nobody had really seen the game at that point. So I look yeah. back at some of those courses. And I'm like, man, why would I, why did I do that? Why did I put that enemy in that, in that box, like control the player like that? But also like we wanted those wow moments and nobody knew you could even do a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Um, we also didn't have checkpoints back in that, uh, that, right. that version thing. So uh, I know you're asking us about the invitation, but we're rewinding back, I learned, so I had to sort of go back. Re, I rewatched those courses, rethought about those courses, and then when making for the Invitational I was like, okay, this is not a new, an unknown thing. Mario Maker is a known, you know, quantity at this point. Mm-hmm. There's been so many courses created by the community, right. but now we have a chance to showcase to Mario Maker 2 and also sort of put uh, to bear all of our the things we've learned about making courses that we think are cool and fun and polished. And I think that inspired, I think I'm more proud of the courses we made for this one than the original because we didn't have the sort of wow factor of the game being this unknown thing and being able to rely on these like amazing visual moments right. and like on what you can do that, you can do that. At this point, we, a lot of this stuff was known in the community and, and sort mm-hmm. of in our Nintendo Direct about Super Mario Maker 2. So it became really more about like really quality course design, hopefully treating the player fairly, um wow Wow moments for the viewer and the players, things like that.
2: Yeah, for the most part. But there, there's also that uh, that element of we want to show off everything that's new in this game, that's in the game in general, you know. Uh, so there's this delicate balance of making uh, a course or courses that, uh, you know, are truly competitive, you know, that don't have a lot of kind of like this RNG, like random elements uh, where one player is going to be un- uh, treated unfairly and the other's going to gain an advantage because of that. Yeah. But you kind of have to mm-hmm. balance that with like, we also want to show everything that this game can do. Uh, so it, it is this delicate balance of, of creating something that is super competitive, but maybe not exciting to watch because there's not those wow moments. Yeah. Uh, and something that is going to showcase a lot of those awesome moments. Like I, I remember in uh, there was a course uh, for NWC 2015 where it's like this kind of, uh, maze puzzle thing where you come up to these four doors that are numbered and you walk into this door and you don't know what's on the other side one player might choose the right path and get an advantage the other player might open the door and see like three giant bowsers you know staring them down and you know at the competition that gave that was a huge wow moment and I remember being there and (laughs) hearing the crowd like ah just kind of like gasp and shock that there were three bowsers like stacked on top of each other oh, i remember that yeah yeah and um you know that that was something that might not you know if this was like a pure just like competition you know that might not be fair to do to the player but like it's we're also trying to show the game off so, yeah. yeah
1: and we have and making courses for events like this you sort of have to think about the player and the viewer so you're you're making courses that you want the players to you know, have fun playing to, to be a, a challenge, but you also want the viewer to have a good time too. So yeah. there's a lot of things I think I might do if I was, if I was making a course just to put online and sort of challenge just players. But when there's a whole audience watching, you sort of want, you don't want players to get too far ahead of one another. You kind of want mm-hmm. there to be that tension of, can mm-hmm. this person in second place catch up? Um, you want, um, one well, in this case, we even, um, you know, we had, we had courses in each of the, um, the different, um, uh, Game styles, but also we wanted to show off, like um, for example, like playing co-op. And Eric actually was the one that I was like, uh, it was Eric and I, and also Ethan Dill in the Mm -hmm. Treehouse made the courses. Uh, We sort of picked, okay, who wants to do 3D World? Like, and Ethan did that one, and Eric was like, I want to do the co-op one because we knew we wanted to have a co-op. So Mm -hmm. I was I was so glad that Eric like grabbed onto, I'm up (laughs) for making a co-op course because (laughs) I, I don't even
2: I don't know how he did it, but yeah. Yeah, that was a super fun process. And it, again, that's something, you know, we didn't have local multiplayer in uh, the, the past Mario Maker game. It was a solely essentially single-player experience. Um, so now that we have that local multiplayer, I wanted to showcase something where two players could work together to accomplish their goals. And uh, it was a really interesting design process because I kind of had to, you know, in that initial, like, design, I had to, like, think about how two players are going to go through this and kind of, like, hold the two controllers and try to play through it and see if it worked and then obviously like there's just a ton of play testing we grabbed dozens of people from across the treehouse from uh you know the testing department and uh we ended up changing the courses a lot from that initial design but it was uh definitely something where you have to let people play and then watch and then tweak and it's just so iterative and you know morgan's throwing out suggestions i'm like oh that's awesome and throwing that in and we're all just kind of helping each other out I think that's so important is having people play test your levels because Mm -hmm. no matter how good of a course
0: creator you are, no matter how great your ideas might be, you never quite can, can guess exactly what the player's going to do and what they're going to try. And it could be things that you never thought of. And in some cases that can kind of really undo everything that you you've put together. You know, someone could find a way to skip over this whole great portion of a level that you created and spent so much time on and, um, so, you know, I think uh, in general, you know, getting your friends or your family to play these levels is great, but that's got to be on a whole other level when you know that not only is this a competition, like you said, where you want there to be an even playing field, but then everyone's going to be watching. That must have just really increased
2: the pressure to make sure that these these levels are really polished and really tight. Oh, totally. Because as Morgan said, you want uh, the players to kind of like go through it at the at the same uh, speed or like kind of be at the, the end, like uh, I don't know if you want to talk about your design process for, uh, you know, in 2019, that final uh, boss encounter with the icicles.
1: Yeah, I, I, so I ended up sort of being the one that made the the course for the final round. And um, I knew it would be two players playing at the same time. And I wanted the course to sort of have, you know, being the final round, I really wanted to have sort of a, to feel large and grand and sort of have a really cool aesthetic. And of course, I had to have a Bowser fight. I mean, I feel like... <laughs> Mm-hmm. you know it just felt right and but the minute you add Bowser in, in uh, Super Mario Maker you've got the RNG factor you've got mm-hmm. you know he's a little if you just put him on the ground he's kind of you know, he's jumping around, he's shooting fire fire like yeah. randomly. Um, if you have a if you have a mushroom or, or a super flower, you can just sort of damage boost your way through him, like take a hit, and when you're blinking, just run past him. That feels cheap, and
2: it's kind of anticlimactic at the very end of a competition like that.
1: Yeah, so I really, but I was like, I gotta have, a so I spent, I probably spent a week sort of tinkering with wh- this final boss fight where I was like, I gotta have Bowser, I'm gonna have Lava, um, and I was like, I'm gonna attach Bowser to... To one of the tracks, so you can't, so you can't get past him. And then I kept having to fill in; I would like fill in all of the, like the blocks around him. But I didn't want it to feel too cramped. But there's a point where to like not let somebody sneak past him, you have to sort of pack him in pretty tight. Mm-hmm. I was just, I was like, well, if I, I don't want someone to be able to damage boost their way past him, so I'm not going to give you any power ups in that. Lor- so there's all these little things that end up going into the overall course design. We're like, okay, no power ups because I don't want someone to ever have a chance to like <laughs> right. take a hit. Um, but because of that, you don't want it like. In that course, it sort of starts out in a um, in a Bowser's castle, mm-hmm. and then I knew I'd have a sub world that I wanted to be vertical, and I got into sort of the ice idea, and then once I had the ice, I was like, oh, it's fire and ice. I was like, that's really cool, and then I was like, well, there's no reason icicles can't be in the castle too right. like that's kind of cool that's an like mm-hmm. ice castle and just see yeah, how the color you know the, yeah, the I get, contrast I get really into really the good. aesthetic stuff and that's yeah. one of the neat things about making having sort of a reason to sit at your desk and spend an entire day making a course and knowing that there's going to it's going to sort of get this large uh, viewership it's, it's there's sort of a lot riding on it is it mm-hmm. gives you the reason to go all in on everything gameplay, aesthetic, playtesting. Yeah. Testing, yeah. Um, the kind of stuff that, I mean, I'd like to think that I would do that when I'm making stuff at home, but it's like you have this extra motivation to go uh, way above and beyond. And um, I love that because uh, I feel like, um, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know the hours we put into this. I, 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 <laughs> I wasn't counting, but it's a lot. But yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> um, and yeah, just tinkering around. Like I, I made a boss fight with Bowser, probably. I made something and then wiped it out, made something, wiped it out. I just, I, I, it, it took like the sixth iteration until I kind of got figured out, wait, you can, I can stand in the icicles and we jump off then they can hit Bowser and I can do this and it's just sort of all, you know, I'd love to say that I had this whole plan in mind when I set out, but a lot of it is, it's that iteration play test, seeing what people sort of, uh, what they, like, wow, that when someone's like, wow, that's
0: really cool, you're like, okay, I'm on the right track. Like, this is yeah. this is getting somewhere. Yeah, now during all those countless hours that you guys worked on those levels and all the levels before, um, what are Especially for Super Mario Maker 2 specifically, all of the new features and the new parts that have been added, what are some things that you discovered about some of these new parts? And maybe what are some of your favorites? And um, can you give us any tips on how to maybe incorporate those into levels that people might not uh, necessarily
2: know straight when they start playing the game? Sure, yeah. You know, we, uh, for the championship levels, you, know, you may have noticed there's a lot of on-off switches in there. Which are, mm-hmm. a new course element, um, and basically those uh, interact with a bunch of other objects. So uh, there was this awesome moment in that last level, Morgan, where uh, you get to the end of that first section, and uh, what's the name of that? Oh, thing? the skewer. The skewer. Yeah. 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 So the skewer comes up and hits the uh, on-off switch, and basically like turns off these blocks that one of the competitors was hoping to land on, and just he face plants into the lava, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, everyone was like, "Oh, they they felt it was like kind of trolley. Yeah. But he had a chance to. You know, you gotta you gotta be aware of your surroundings, man. Yeah. I mean, it, it was right there, and it's like the skewer interacts with those uh, on-off switches and can turn off blocks, and then uh, you know, same thing with icicles. You know, interact with on-off switches. The uh, shells interact with on-off switches. So yeah. there's uh, like in, in uh, the co-op one I made for this for this uh, last championship. Uh, there's this section where you go through a pipe and both players uh, kind of have to like time their jumps on these platforms, but the platforms uh, are switching on and off by themselves. And that's because uh, there is a you know, cannon that shot out a, uh, a shell and is kind of like bouncing back and forth off a wall and then off the on off switch, mm-hmm. turning all the platforms in the area on and off like at a very uh, steady rhythm. Kind of recreating the, the blinking block almost from the Super Mario 3D world style. Exactly. Yeah. And then you can kind of vary the speed at which that's turning on and off by, you know, making the wall that it's bouncing off on the opposite side like farther away. Um, mm-hmm. So you, there's so much you can do with on off switches.
1: Yeah, I think, I think people are going to go completely nuts with those because, yeah, there's so many ways to trigger them. You can have the player just jump and hit it. You can have enemies trigger it. You can have skewers hit it. Mm-hmm. You can even have thwomps trigger them, but the thwomp, you have to be close enough to. Like, you can have a sideways thwomp trigger on off switches, but the thwomp won't move sideways until you get close enough to trigger it. So that's completely different, like a skewer that's just going to keep going in and out on its own rhythm if you're close right. enough. Um, and even icicle, I got really obsessed with the icicles. That's actually one of my favorite <laughs> things in my new parts, um, especially the, the, the icicles that... If you get close enough, they fall and then they respawn, and they'll hurt you if you hit them from the bottom. You can actually stand on top of them, but they can also trigger on-off switches. And I started making this at one point in the course. I made for the final of the Invitational. I had this. I, I realized you can have an icicle, uh, a falling icicle hanging above an on-off switch, and if you sprint under the on-off switch, it will have triggered it to fall, and like it will fall behind you and trigger the on-off switch, and that could like. Make blocks turn on in front of you. So I had this whole section where you you have to sprint under an on-off switch, jump, and then the icicle falls like way in your wake, and then yeah. and then and then you're jumping under another one, and the blink and the blocks are turning on in front of you. <laughs> but then I realized like it's it's a totally unfair for somebody it to is. do that in like a blind speedrun competition. But I was really into that idea of just how it, like I had been spending hours and hours playing around with icicles, and it wasn't until I randomly happened to sprint under one and it fell behind me that I was like. <gasps> Oh yeah. man, the kind of things I could do with that, right. and I love those moments of discovery. Even with things you th- you think you kind of know all the ways certain parts can interact, and then you find some new, you know, interaction, and that just inspires like a whole new line of thought. Like oh, I need to make a whole new course to like see that out, right?
2: Mm-hmm. And that's a great point uh, that you made about you know it kind of being too hard for a blind speed run. You know, there were a lot of times uh, in these competition courses where players you know lost because they. They got, you know, fell on spikes or something like that. Yeah, they like fell to their doom or yeah, fell on lava or exactly. a spike. But for the most part, you you don't want to bog down the viewership because every time someone loses, they have to start over at the very beginning. So it's like you want to make a course that's hard to get through, but um, it's hard to get through quickly, but not necessarily yeah. hard to get through.
1: Yeah. Yeah, even a couple years after the original uh, Nintendo World Championship uh, in 2015, the dev team in Japan actually asked us if, they, if we could make a course for one of their events, and which was a huge honor to us to have them reach out to us. And they wanted it to be the final, because they, you know, they were inspired by some of the things we had done. They're like, ah, it's, it's different than what we think of, we wanna see what you do for this. And I remember we made it our, we're like, okay, if this is gonna be for the final round, it's gonna be two players at the same time. And we we definitely want those players to stay as close as possible. So we intentionally our number one like we set out and we we're like, let's let the player not be able to lose a life in this course, like period. Right. And that was really fun because we had you know we'd
2: it's kind of come along it, the way it's get to get that, but point. it's actually really hard to do. Yeah, to, so to make a course where yeah the player can't lose a life is
1: it's actually very challenging. And we yeah. can, we had to come up with all of these tricky jumps and tricky things, and like we, it almost ended up feeling like this super challenging like. Like obstacle course or something, because it, it you had to do all the sort of calisthenics and mm-hmm. and uh, acrobatics you'd have to do as a as a Mario player. But there was never sort of that fear of like, oh, if I do that, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm gonna have to start over. Right. Um, um, and and again, yeah, not that we did that for
0: every one of the courses um, in the Invitational, but we definitely uh, sort of kept that in mind. Uh, Th- that's something that's been on on my mind just creating my own courses is is thinking about them eventually being downloaded and, and played by other people. Um, is ideally I would like to make the course um, uh, you know, challenging but not to where you're constantly you know, getting stuck or certainly not getting frustrated or losing a lot of lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then sometimes there's this particular challenge and I think, well, as long as it's clear and fair, even if it's difficult, that's okay. And maybe that bumps this level up into kind of the expert or super expert category. But for example, there's one room that I just put into a level I was creating that uh, all it is is you walk into the room, there's a checkpoint flag And there's a big pit. And on the other side of the pit is a key. So to get the key, um, you have to just jump the big pit but it's too wide. But in the center of the ceiling is a pipe that is constantly spawning dry bone shells that are parachuting down slowly Mm -hmm. through the middle of the screen into the pit. So if you can leap into one of those and then leap back out of it before it drops off the bottom, that's how you get across. And when you nail that, when you when that you get the timing right on that, it feels so good. And it's a little bit more of an advanced move, and I, I love having it in there. But anytime I have someone play it, they lose at least half a dozen lives <laughs> before they even get across the first time, and then they have to make it back. So uh, I guess you're always thinking about you know balancing things out, and you know is is not only is the the, the is this going to be a fair challenge, but is it presented enough to the player that they understand if they do lose a life that it was ultimately. Uh, you know, their own fault and not because the game cheated them somehow.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. And, uh, and that's, that sort of reminded me of something that I I feel like it's taken me a long time to, um, sort of fully uh, sort of decide this philosophy or realize this sort of thing for myself. But, um, you know, I, I come to, especially when the first Mario maker came out, uh, super Mario maker, I, I used to be really into Super Mario Bros, and I, there was a point where I, I got into speedrunning Super Mario Bros, not on the level that some of the like, obviously the people that uh, have world records and things like, like that, okay. but I got to the point that I could basically run as fast as I could, beat Super Mario Bros, using warps, but basically never hold letting go of run, you know? So you're basically making mm-hmm. all the long jumps. And so when Mario Maker came out, I was so excited to, I'm so into those long jumps, uh, those full on, you're, you're holding run, you're jumping as far as you can, then jumping again. And you know you can use the Mar- Mario sort of trail in, in Mario Maker to sort of, you can make those long, long, long jumps. So I was making all these courses where you have to do these perfect long jumps, and then I realized, wait a second, like sp- sp- like when those courses, when people speed run you know, Mario games, it's not like the courses were designed for speed running, people just figured out how to get through them as fast as possible. So even though I love being able to get through courses quickly with really challenging jumps, I've sort of realized that that's almost like the secondary um, that that sort of comes second on like a really good course should sort of be its own thing. And also if you want to get through it quickly, um, that's great too. So in the level I made for the invitational, there's some ways to get through it a lot quicker than the people did live. And, and I I felt like they probably wouldn't figure out those bigger jumps, Mm -hmm. um, in the moment, but I liked that they were in there. So I sort of intentionally was, uh, you know, we even sent the courses to, um, the team in Japan to review them to, before we sort of, consider them final to be shown on you know on stage and on mm-hmm. and these events, and they even brought up that. They're like, hey, do you know that if you do full, big jumps in this section, you can skip that thing? And I'm like, I totally, that, they're yeah. like, if that's intentional, that's totally fine. yeah And it was really cool that they called it out, but also I felt, you know, I was like, gratified. I was like, yes, that actually is intentional. I like when there's both sort of an easy route, that's slower and a hard route that's yeah. faster but more dangerous. So I always try to work that into my course design philosophy now is not worry about like starting off with those super, super big technical jumps with no mm-hmm. room for error, but when you're playing through the course, tr- then trying to do that on top of it, and then maybe adjusting some things so that somebody on a second playthrough or third playthrough or going for speed could link things in a way that might not have been um, sort of you know, you wouldn't have realized that the first time through.
2: Yeah, and I think uh, you know, 2D Mario games, like mainline games, do that really well too. I mean, that's kind of a hallmark of a Mario course. Is there's multiple ways to get through it, kind of a, a beginner route and an expert route. Yeah. Uh, not only does you know that uh, add depth to it. To be honest, it makes developing the course easier, or like designing it easier, because as you're testing, you know, you've played this thing a bunch of times, and you can basically start the course and get to a, a trouble spot or something you're trying to work out um, because you know a fast way to get to the spot you actually wanna test. Yeah. Yeah, I think
0: um, it's probably a good idea to have multiple rounds of testing before you upload a course. Like uh, before what I've done is I've gone through a course and and said I'm decidedly not gonna hit the run button and see if I can get through this and mm-hmm. see if there's, if there's still ways to do it for people that don't often use the, the run button. Then I'll go back through it and try to do a speed run And anytime I, for example, enter a new screen and maybe immediately, you know, jump, but I I just happen to have an enemy that's placed at a certain point where if I do that, I'm going to hit them. I might move that enemy a space forward or backward. Then you start fine tuning it so that if people do want to really get into speed running it, it's satisfying on that level too. And um, one thing I did before is I used to like to put uh, secret hidden like warp areas (laughs) in some of my levels for the original Super Mario Maker where you could basically skip the entire stage. But then I did that, and I realized that once people figure that out, it kind of ruins the fun of anyone mm. trying to beat world records on it. Yeah. So it kind of
2: removes it from speedrunning contention. So you have to keep that in mind too. Yeah, absolutely. I love the the speedrunning aspect of it, um, and you know, trying to trying to shave, you know, that. I know that me and you in Super Mario Maker uh, went back and forth on a bunch of stages, like trying to shave off like milliseconds from each other's times, sort of thing. Um, and I, you know, absolutely love. Difficult courses. I love to create difficult courses. Uh, I think that's one thing Super Mario Maker does really well is that in a mainline 2D Mario game, you know, it's hard to include those types of courses uh, that are just brutally difficult because uh, you're generally uh, aiming those courses at a very small part of the overall player base, the people who Mm -hmm. are, you know, who are masochists and and love playing (laughs) those really, really difficult uh, courses. what, you know, in Super Mario Maker, we also had these official courses, um, and uh, there are these official course creators online, and uh, the Bowser courses online are some courses that I made that kind of embody that. You know, that really difficult course that you you gonna take uh, fifty tries to get through, but it feels so good when you finally get through it.
0: Yeah, I think challenge is great. I think uh, I think people just need to be careful that. Um, What they're asking people to do is something that people can, they have a good shot at at figuring out or understanding. Um, You know, one of the things that I I kind of encountered with this same level that I mentioned earlier, where I created the dry bone shell, I themed a lot of things around the dry bone shell, but that's a new element in this game. And I have to remember that people don't necessarily know that you can do a ground pound while you're in a dry bone shell, or that if you press down, that you become a pile of bones and are invincible for a Mm -hmm. few seconds. So, I tried to build the level in ways that it kind of forces you to learn those elements before you can proceed and gives you some safe spots to kind of do that. And then uh, I even went a step further, and in, in the, um, you can now add description uh, text to each of your levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's and great. I even added the, con- the drybone shell controls, basically, it was, was this description text for that level. So, I think um, it's fine to offer challenge, but I think as, as, uh, as you would maybe be taught in the tutorials and the uh, Yamamura's Dojo section of the game, is uh, always keep the player in mind. And, you know, don't necessarily think that it's it's going to be great if you stump the player. Ultimately, what you're hoping the player does with your level, whether it's challenging or not, is just that they enjoy themselves. Yeah, that's a
2: great point.
1: Yeah. And yeah, I love in the in the Yamamura, uh, Yamamura's Dojo and Super Mario Maker 2, uh, not just the lessons, but it's it's so simple, but just that you can look at the the controls for every every um, you know style. Because mm-hmm. there's some of those mm-hmm. jumps, like you know, in 3D World, you can do the I, I can I don't even know the name of it. But you hold down for a few seconds and then jump, and you do kind of this the backflip, backflip yeah. jump. And like I don't I don't even know yet. Like, could I make a course where you have to do that jump? And and yeah, that the player might not realize that, but maybe you could you know put that in the description or just call it you know call name the course backflip you know backflip right. master or something. Because yep. um, there's mm-hmm. all of those. Every style has, well, maybe not the original, but all the styles have these extra jumps that and little moves that um, I'm excited that there's a really easy way in the game to sort of uh, remind yourself, refresh your memory, all this stuff. And the way that people are going to, I can't even, I am so excited for this game to come. Uh, <laughs> uh, just to see what people do, because there's just so yeah. many new uh, combinations, new
2: parts, and the, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be so exciting. Yeah, people are going to do some wild things that, Certainly, the dev team never imagined that that could happen. When you toss this many elements that can interact with each other uh, and just throw it out there for for you know so many people to play, uh, it's gonna get wild. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So, before we close out the the Super Mario Maker Two discussion, what are some final tips you guys might give? Um, if maybe even say some of the most important tips that anybody can kind of apply to their own levels to to make great courses. Um, so, one thing I just I mean, it might
1: be obvious to a lot of people, but maybe not to newer makers. Is that when you're making a course, you know, you can um, you can press minus, and that'll drop you into playing your course uh, wherever you're at in the level. But if you press and hold minus, um, you'll play it from the start. And it's important to like when you're making a section to always play it from the start to see to make sure everything kind of loads in that the timing of things works out. Um, So I'll usually do that. I'll sort of make I'll be making things and tapping into play and sort of working them all out as I go, but I always take time to restart from the beginning to make sure if I'm running through it or walking through it, that everything's happening in the right. Um, you know, just the timing where working out the way you expect it to same thing when adding a pipe and making a sub area, you know, make sure you go out of that pipe and back in to make sure that maybe enemies you've added or, or traps Mm -hmm. or triggers that you kind of realize that timing. Um, you don't want to, I mean, you'll eventually probably, you'll have to play the course to upload it, but you can save yourself a lot of trouble by playing it from the start. Um, well-making so that you don't have to sort of you make a whole course and then realize ah oh, this isn't
0: quite right like what's going on here mm-hmm. um, that's i gotta say thanks for that tip because i knew you could press uh obviously minus to start playing the course you're making in the moment i didn't know that if you held it you start at the beginning that's pretty helpful
1: yeah it's great you hold on you kind of and then it drops you in right at the start as if you had started the course you know um, naturally. Yeah. Naturally. And that's great for sort of testing out that full full on
0: uh, run through. I'd say another thing people might not know is that if you click in on the sticks, you can also zoom way out or zoom way in. But if you zoom way out, you can see the entire, uh, for example, to full screen height of, of a horizontal uh, a layout. And uh, you can also grab a lot more in that um, from that viewpoint. And I always think that that really gives you a great kind of overhead macro view of not just the one particular part of the level you're working on, but all the levels or parts around it. So um, that's another great thing to use, I think, when you're building a level.
1: Yeah, I've been using that a lot, the view mode, because I like, I really go all in on the aesthetics of the courses. Even if there's something way at the top of the screen and maybe no one will see it, I like to sort of fill in the block. I don't know, I, I go really overboard with that stuff. But <laughs> from that view mode, yeah, when you're zoomed out, you can't select a new part to add in, but yeah, you can, you can multi-grab anything you already have there, you can copy it. So you can fill in those large swaths of ground blocks or you can uh, copy element uh, like if you're adding coins you could you could just switch to copy and from that zoomed out mode you could like do an artistic layout with coins just by copying one you already have people are gonna really I think use that a lot for mm-hmm. that um, exactly like what you said that bird's eye view and just sort mm-hmm. of stepping back it's like a painter stepping back from their you know, from their <laughs> right. back, their painting and like look
2: you know okay looks pretty yeah good. yeah I would say uh, my tip is is you know think about the aesthetics of your level think about uh, how your level looks to you know, a new player who's never seen it. Um, you know, I I do see a lot of uh, levels that are like kind of have just too many elements in them. You know, there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with levels of having just goombas for bad guys. Yep. You know, or ha- or having you know just certain materials or or focusing on certain colors. You know, I mean. Uh, I think the aesthetics really add to the experience. And it is, there's kind of an art element to it. You, you have this huge palette of uh, uh, parts that you can place anywhere, uh, but that doesn't mean you should place everything anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, things like, for me, one of my pet peeves is when uh, people have just like floating dirt blocks, you know, in the air that aren't really supported by anything. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, you know, that maybe those could be bricks, you know, and 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 you can take uh, kind of inspiration from actual Mario games, you know, like they're never gonna have floating dirt blocks because dirt doesn't float. But in <laughs> yeah. in, in Mario's world, in Mushroom Kingdom, hey, bricks can float. That's just that's just how it is. Um, and I think you can do a lot of cool things with you know like uh, these uh, these platforms that basically uh, add to the background, right? So, all mm-hmm. oh, right. The yeah. Semi-solid, uh, platforms. yeah, the semi-solid platforms. Basically, you can have if you want to have dirt suspended in the air, maybe throw a semi-solid platform that looks like it's holding it up. So there's some sense of gravity to the to the environment. Um, I think that really uh, adds to the experience for the player who's playing through it and like, wow, that is actually really cool. Even if they're just running by it, you know, at, at as fast as they can. Yeah. I think it helps.
1: Yeah, Eric, I think uh, when Ethan and I, I think Eric has always, and again, this is this is just a style we were using. I mean, you could you could do whatever you want in Mario Maker, but having these things in mind, I think really sort of help you. Uh, Ethan, Dill, and I, when we were making courses, we sort of had Eric's sort of, it's like Eric's uh, philosophy of course aesthetics in mind, um, because even when I was making the final course, I wanted icicles, but I didn't want it just an icicle attached to nothing, but I wanted it attached. so I would use a semi-solid, you know, I was like, what would Eric do? Okay, I'll use a semi-solid brick thing, <laughs> add that in the background, and then have the icicle right at the bottom of it. So it kind of looks like it's maybe hanging off something. And doing that, I think, actually, it's not, it might seem sort of superfluous when you're like, oh, that's not even gameplay. But it really does, by sort of thinking, how is everything in this, in this course supported? What's holding things up? Where are things mm-hmm. coming from? Uh, it really, I think, will inspire, make your course feel more real and inspire you to sort of keep putting more and more finishing touches on it.
0: Yeah, I think those are great points, and, and it reminds me of some of the lessons in uh, Yamamura's Dojo, where they talk about the atmosphere you create mm-hmm. and how simple changes in, in, in the parts you use and the arrangement um, can really create a different kind of um, feeling in the player. So I think that's hugely important for sure. Um, one thing that I'll add is I, I'm I usually I'm pretty bad myself at just sitting down in front of the screen and just coming up with something on the spot. And when I do, and I'm kind of building in inches, I tend to kind of uh, work myself into a corner. So what helps for me is is to just go away to some scratch paper and, and start sketching out different ideas. And uh, for one of my stages recently, I found it even really helped. I I sketched them down really quickly on index cards because I had all these ideas for different parts of a stage, but I didn't know how they would fit together. And then I was able to reshuffle the cards and kind of put them in different configurations until I felt like that was a good pacing. And then I filled in the gaps and that really helped too. So I think don't maybe sit down and, you know, just like you wouldn't have um, someone sit down and just freehand draw a final illustration without first roughing it out. I think think the early work really pays off in the end.
2: That's a good point. And yeah, that's definitely one way to go about it. And uh, I, I personally prefer that method. But there's something to be said for uh, just going into the software and kind of taking stuff and throwing it everywhere and see where it lands. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's at least a good uh, way to come up with new concepts or ideas, which you can then refine further. Exactly.
0: All right. Well, thanks so much. And I mean, I could talk about Super Mario Maker 2 all day, <laughs> but uh, we're running out of time, so we got to move forward. And um, we're going to next talk about Player's Pulse. And as always, we usually go out to Twitter um, for Player's Pulse and ask uh, the fans to answer certain questions, and this time, um, actually still keeping on the Super Mario Maker 2 theme, we put a poll up, and what we wanted to know was here, just days before the release of Super Mario Maker 2 as we're recording this, um, we wanted to find out um, which new feature or part players were looking forward to trying first. Not just, um, I mean, I'm sure they're looking forward to multiple features in the game, but what are they going to dive into as soon as they get their copy of the game? And I thought it was very interesting, so I'm gonna share the results uh, so far with you here. 30% said they were looking forward to trying story mode first. Obviously that's gonna be a huge part of the game. 27% want to dive into multiplayer right away. 23% um, really are looking forward to player playing others' courses as the first thing they do. And then 20% want to start really digging in and making their own courses right away. So pretty even spread between the, the, the top ranking one here and the bottom, it's only about 10%. Um,
2: I think it just speaks to the broad range of things you can do in Super Mario Maker 2. Yeah, that's really cool to hear. <laughs> you know, people are excited about those things. And for me, story mode is absolutely incredible. Uh, you know, the first uh, Super Mario Maker game uh, didn't pay, you know, necessarily as much attention to the, to the story mode because the game's, you know, soul, or not soul, but uh, the main focus is uh, creation uh, and playing mm-hmm. other people's courses. But this time around, the story mode is totally full featured. Uh, and it is super fun. Some really challenging stuff that you're not necessarily going to see in a in a mainline 2D Mario game. Uh, and I'm really excited to see how people like it. Yeah, I think that's the first thing I'm going to do too.
1: Even though I'm going to, I want to jump in and start making my own. I'm going to actually play through the entire story mode first because I haven't seen all of those courses yet. I didn't get a chance to play all of them when the game was in localization. And uh, you, you know, I know that even the dev team. Um, uh, having uh, talked to mr Tezuka at E3 he's even so excited about those courses like what the dev team was able to do because they were able to really make all of these all of these courses in that story mode that sort of show you a different take on a different part or a different theme or a different style um, and each one is sort of a different little a, a different way to look at something or a different little inspiration and they all have that polished feel of a of a real course that I think people are really going to uh, take a lot of inspiration from
0: mm-hmm Yeah, I think it's a great place to start, too, because those courses do such a great job of of introducing the new parts and Mm -hmm. really teaching you how everything works. So I think after you've gone through a bunch of these courses, then you'll have a much better idea of what's possible when creating your own courses. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, well, now we're gonna move on to Pro's Picks. Uh, this is where we talk about games that we've personally
2: been enjoying lately. Um, Eric, you wanna start us off? What have you been playing lately? Sure, uh, I am a huge Secret of Mana fan. Like, mm. that is like basically the reason I'm here today, like working at Nintendo, is, is Secret of Mana. Um, so when you know we announced Collection of Mana uh, at E3, I was like, because I didn't even know, to be honest, and I was like, ah! And uh, I went out and bought it as soon as it became available. That's great. I've got that
0: one ready to go on my Nintendo Switch and just haven't started yet. You know, too much Super Mario Maker 2 lately. But <laughs> but uh, it's one of those franchises that I've always heard great things about. But for whatever reason, I missed
2: out on it. So I feel like now my time to catch up. Yeah. Secret of Mana, uh, so good. I feel like everyone needs to play that game from start to finish. I hurt, I hurt, In high school, I hurt my
1: knee uh, and basically spent an entire summer on crutches. And I, a friend of mine lent me. Super Nintendo. I didn't own one, and Secret of Mana. Ooh, nice. It's Secret of Mana to me. Sorry,
2: my bad. I I grew up saying Mana, but uh, Mana, Mana, Tomato, uh, Tomata.
1: Yeah, I played that game for an entire <laughs> su- like I can't think of in hindsight. I'm like I was that friend. Like, thank you for uh, Super Nintendo plus that game. It's yeah, my, I mean it's basically so good. yeah, yeah, good summer. That's great. Well, Morgan, what have you been playing? Um, so I also have a Trials, uh, it's not Trials of Mana, but mine is actually a <laughs> <laughs> Trials Rising. Um, I am such a huge uh, fan of the Trials series. Um, I love Red Link's as a developer, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're part of Ubisoft now. And I- Ubisoft, it's fine. Y- y- yeah, Ubi, Ubi. <laughs> that's another one, Mana mana, mana, Um I love the Trials games, I love Trials Rising. It's, as somebody who, I talked a little bit about I really like speedrunning games. I like moving through platformers fast, and you know, even though um, Trials Rising, you know, it's a it's a sort of Trials motorcycle game. It's basically just a high speed platformer um, with really tight, contr- really simple tight controls. Um, the course is all about sort of how fast can you get through a course, and you're and then shaving. I could sit there and play the same um, track over and over, shaving shaving, of milliseconds. shaving milliseconds off my own yeah. time. Uh, I just I love the physics of it, the feel. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's so good. It's a game I wanna have with me. Uh, it's sort of the controls, it's a few buttons and the sticks and uh, I love it.
0: That's great. Yeah. I remember playing I think a previous game in the series and just trying to shave off that next little fraction of a second.
1: Yeah if you, th- mm-hmm. if things you, if you like game like platforming and gameplay and just like really tight dialed controls and sort of being able to um, sort of get through courses with all these micro adjustments in your speed and wheel- yeah. yeah, it's just it's super flowy and fast and it feels it just feels great.
2: It feels great, and there's like this like uh, kind of hidden trigonometry stuff going on where you're like lining up angles. You know what I'm talking about, and trying to like uh, maximize your efficiency by landing both wheels at the exact same time at the same angle, and then you know ga- hitting the gas at the right time. And it's it's actually a really deep game. Yeah,
1: uh, like you're doing all these micro adjustments to like shave milliseconds, but it's yeah. but yet you're also going really fast and flying off these huge jumps and right. through midair and a. Uh,
2: Almost like a bit
0: of an evolved uh, Excite Bike, because even back in that old mm-hmm. game, you had to, you know, how you landed on your wheels was such a an important part of the gameplay.
1: Yeah. Oh, I, the original Excite Bike. Yeah, I think the, it seriously goes back to that. And the original Excite Bike, when you could make your own, uh, you make your own tracks. If you, if you, there was this crazy thing. I'm probably one of the only people that figured this out. That you, could, if you set the jumps just right, you actually could build momentum in the original Excite Bike, and mm-hmm. you would get more and more momentum off. Longer and longer jumps until you would come out of the top of the screen. Like you would, you would like go out of the top of the screen and out of the bottom. Right. So I would build these courses where you'd like build up all this crazy <laughs> momentum. So
0: yeah, that's probably so that's where really, my that's probably so that's where really my try- where your <laughs> Super Mario Maker course creating style started. Oh my, I, I didn't even right. have thought about that. I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, great for me. Um, I've been playing um, well mostly Super Mario Maker two, but I have made some time for a couple of games. Um, Contra Anniversary Collection as an old school, you know, eight bit uh, Contra fan. I was super excited to see that show up. Um, You know, great uh, for people that aren't familiar with the series, great arcade style, run and gun action. These are great games for two players. Um, And this collection has 10 games, um, including the original Contra from the arcade. And I think the one most people probably remember, which is the NES version of, of Contra. Plus, um, you know, my personal favorite in the series, which is Contra 3, The Alien Wars from Super NES. And I've really been enjoying playing through Contra Hardcore, the uh, Sega Genesis Contra. Um, Again, it's been years and years since I've played that one. So I've I've forgotten most of it. Um, So that's been a lot of fun. And then also there's a Castlevania anniversary collection that I got right before that. That was great. And then um, got a Roboto. I mentioned this in the previous episode, but um, that's been a great kind of Metroid-style game where you're actually a cat in a powered mech suit, which is pretty hilarious. And then seeing the reveal of uh, Hero and Banjo-Kazooie for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate really got me playing Super Smash Bros. Ultimate again. And um, now I've gone through and collected all of the spirits associated with the Joker DLC and... I've started to unlock more stuff and just started to chip away again. That's a hard game to even come close to 100% on, but
2: I had this, this long-term dream that I'm going to get there one day, so chipping away at it. Yeah, that is a big game. There's so much to it, and uh, I, I don't even know how you 100% that game. It's just there's so much, so much content. Yeah, I think
0: you just keep going till you realize you've done as much as you can. <laughs> it's true. All right, well, next up we've got Warp Zone. This is the quiz where um, I'm gonna give you guys some clues and you're gonna try to guess some games that came out 10, 20, and 30 years ago. Um, we're gonna be looking at games, all of these released, again, 10, 20, 30 years ago in the month of June. Um, ready? Let's do it. Ready? Are we a team or are we, are we, a team or
1: are we competing against each other? Oh, snap.
0: Uh, you snap. Know, usually it's uh, every man for himself, but if you guys wanna confer first and make <laughs> a team answer, then, uh, then do we'll do go it. that way. All right, let's go all right 10 years ago in june of 2009 here are the clues nintendo published this platforming game for nintendo ds and it was the first installment of a long-running series to come to the u.s but in japan this was actually the series fifth game and in the game your bright cheery character swims spins jumps and slides his way to victory in and around the ocean any guesses Uh, would that be
2: starfy starfy
0: yep that's it the legendary starfy nice Yes. Yeah, a lot of people might know this character, even if they don't know him by name, might know him from um, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, where he's an yeah. assist trophy. Hits you with his uh, star spin.
1: I remember when that game came. We were, Eric and I were, that takes us right, we've both been in the treehouse about, about, about 10, 10 years. 11 yeah. years, right about when that game came out. Because I remember there was a promotional, like a full body costume, star, Starfy costume that uh, somebody wow. came walking through the treehouse wearing
2: like a yeah full body Starfy. I forgot about that. Yeah, it was this giant Starfy costume. It couldn't couldn't fit down the hallway. It couldn't fit down the hallway to walk (laughs) sideways because it was like too (laughs) wide. That's awesome. That's
0: great. So if he'd done the spin, he could have done some real damage. Yeah, Yeah, seriously. (laughs) All right, next up, we've got 20 Years Ago. This is June of 1999. And the clues are Nintendo published a game for Game Boy Color that was a spinoff from a major franchise with a lot of familiar faces in which the goal was to hit bumpers and other targets with a ball to get a high score while also collecting 151 different things. Any guesses?
2: ball to hit targets and bumpers
0: say so the game also
2: included two boards a red board and a blue board i mean this sounds 151 you got red and blue this sounds very pokemon but it's not like pokemon puzzle league it's like sounds like
1: was there i, I have no idea was there
0: like a pokemon pinball game i have no idea i'm stumped po- pokemon pinball. i'll accept that Pokemon. Yep, Pokemon pinball. Yes, <laughs> nice way to 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 uh, figure out a game that you weren't even aware of. <laughs> All right, the next one is uh, uh, this one's thirty years ago, June nineteen eighty nine. Capcom published an action. Uh, sorry, Capcom published an action platformer for NES, in which you use a wide array of special powers to take on eight tough bosses and one despicable doctor. This is the second game in a classic, long running series, and many fans still consider it to be the best. What is Mega Man Two? That's it. Mega Man 2. Yes. This was, that was a crazy month, by the way. June 1989. We also had, um, uh, let's see here, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Track and Field 2, and The Adventures of Bayou Billy. Nice. Oh,
1: man. I played so much Mega Man. I, I listen to the Mega Man music. Like,
0: I don't even know from which game, but
1: I have like a Mega Man music playlist that I use at work sometimes when I really need to get stuff done. So good.
0: Yeah? Yeah. Or when you want to fight for everlasting peace, I'll just pop <laughs> up those tunes. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe that game's 30 years old, by the way. I can't either. That is why i I played a lot of yeah. Mega Man as a kid. All right, well, really quick, before we wrap things up, we're going to go through the game forecast, and this is where we take a look ahead at some key Nintendo Switch games coming in July. Um, starting things off this month, we've got, on July 4th, Stranger Things 3, The Game, from Bonus XP and Netflix. Nice. On July 12th, we have Dragon Quest Builders 2, and on July 19th, there's Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, The Black Order... And then on July 26th, we've got two big games, Wolfenstein Youngblood from Bethesda Softworks and Fire Emblem Three Houses. Wow, that's a lot of good stuff. What pops off to you guys? Um, I mean,
1: Fire Emblem Three Houses, I'm super, super excited. Um, That might be the easy answer because, um, you know, working in the treehouse, but I mean... Seeing the work that's gone into that game, just the amount of uh, passion from the development side, from the localization side, from uh, everyone involved with it, the game just has so much to offer people. The fans of that series, new people to it, the story, the voices, the gameplay—it's—it's it's like an epic. It's not even understatement. It's an epic. It is an epic game, uh, and I'm really excited for people to dive into that
2: world. Yeah, I've been purposely trying to avoid that one so I can actually enjoy it when <laughs> when it comes out. <laughs> Yeah, me too. I've been really looking forward to uh, that game, and I wasn't always a big fan of the
0: series. It was Fire Emblem Awakening, I think, that was the one I really mm-hmm. jumped in on, and
2: I've gotten every one since. So I can't wait for this one. Nice,
0: Eric. What are you looking forward uh, for? For me,
2: I gotta say Wolfenstein Youngblood. Mm. I mean, uh, you know, I'm a big shooter fan, and I've uh, been playing Wolfenstein since the original Wolfenstein 3D on uh, on PC. So, uh, like 46. Yeah. Three eighty six, even man. <laughs> um, yeah, it, uh, it. I'm super excited for that.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm looking forward to that one too. I'm really looking forward to all these, but uh, just one that you guys haven't mentioned yet. Uh, Stranger Things three. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, I'm a huge fan of the the television series, and I'm really looking forward to the the season three. But the game looks to have that that pixel art style and the, kind of that old school um, beat 'em up kind of gameplay that you don't see very often these days. So I'm really curious to to try that game and, and hopefully like it as much as I like the show.
2: Yeah, me too, I love the show. I'm excited to uh, watch it when it comes out and play the game. And it's cool that they're synchronizing the launch of the show and the game uh, at the same time, which is super awesome. Yeah, yeah,
0: both on July 4th. I've got to make sure I watch the show first so I'm not spoiling the show when I play the game.
2: <laughs> I'm sure they've, they've taken that into account. Just they're gonna not going like, to throw spoilers in the game. just
1: play and watch at the same exact time, it'll be, maybe it,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the way. All right, well, Morgan and Eric, thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, of
2: course. It's been super fun.
1: Yeah, thanks for having us. Like, I think you said it earlier, but yeah, we could talk about uh, Super Mario Maker 2 all day. Um, I'm so excited for people to have it in their hands now, and uh, I can't wait to play all the courses that are maybe being created right now.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> all right, we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks. That's it for this episode of Nintendo Power Podcast. If you have any comments or questions you'd like us to consider answering on the show, you can email us at nintendopowerpodcast at noa.nintendo.com. Also, we always appreciate it if you can leave us a review and be sure to subscribe so you get new episodes as soon as they're ready. Thanks for listening and keep playing with power.